Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. All righty then. Hey, I am the Commissioner, Christopher Perry, and this is the WCHL Podcast. And we need to change up that intro, or at least make a change in that intro, because we don't have Andrew Majorkirth with with us this week. Instead, we've, uh, we're blessed again to have, all the way from Salt Lake City, Anita Suchia. Anita, say hello to the masses. Hello, everyone, and I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's not Andrew, it's me. <laughs> no, don't be, don't, I'm, we're glad to have you, and we're not disappointed that it's not Andrew, so don't worry about that. I just need to, maybe, maybe Anita, what we'll do is I'll, uh, I'll find a way to splice your name into the, uh, into that intro, so when we just, when we think it's Andrew, it'll go, or something like that, it'll have a little, a little, maybe here I can do a little Flintstone skid. We can yeah, put, there you go. Yeah, do a little Anita Suchia in there instead of uh, Andrew Majorkirth. Yeah. Well, Anita, how's how's life been? Have you received an awful lot of uh, positive feedback for for being on a uh, terrible suboptimal regional hockey club hockey podcast? Well, you know, I haven't. But on the other hand, I haven't gotten any complaints or eggs thrown at the house either. There so you I go. Think, I think that's a win. Still employed. And, Still uh, employed. Yeah. And you know, s- haven't gotten in trouble from the big boss at Utah Hockey either, saying, <laughs> Anita, like, why don't you stop talking? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, that big boss, he's kind of a, he, he's a tough nut. He's... He's a you know, he's uh, quiet, but yeah. you know it's the quiet ones. They're like you got to watch them. <laughs> well, I'll, you never know what they're thinking. Let's 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 hope he's thinking nothing but positivity for uh, Anita <laughs> Suchia. So. I think he's just glad that he doesn't have to carve out time for the podcast. That's why he like put me in there. Well, I need to do it. Ah, my plate. I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, we if that's we can get the big cheese on here. That won't be a problem. I can. I, oh my God! I don't mind making people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's so. true. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anita. Hey, we've got some news in terms of uh, the Nationals okay. update for 2024. When last we and left, when last we left, we did not know where it was. We did not know when it was, but now we know when. We still don't know where. We have an idea, and I think it's a secret. But. Um, <laughs> The, the win is officially out. The dates will be March 7th through the 17th of 2024, which means for ACHA Men's Division One, it'll be March 7th through the 12th. Um, and I think what that means is that the women will end up going like March 12th through the 17th of 2024. The location, like I said, it's a secret, uh, but I think <laughs> if I were to guess... I would say it's going to be in a city that we've been to pretty recently, a city that has an arch near a river, a city that has cardinals on baseball bats, and a city a, whose state's motto is the show me state. Correct. I think the ACHA will be there to show me. And I, yes, correct. And it's a state that makes, um, in my opinion, some terrible beer. But that's just that's just me. I'm a Krabby Patty, so 
Uh, like I said, it's a secret. I think the location will be revealed here in a couple of uh, in the next couple of weeks. And we are also told that the 2025 nationals uh, are that's going to be sussed out and uh, disclosed and figured out before uh, the end of this year. So what a surprise! Surprise. Mm. The ACHA mm. could be actually getting ahead of itself. That's that's not a cute thing. Yeah. Keep saying it's a secret. It feels like it's giving you one of those secrets that by the time it finally is like a reveal, we'll go, we'll be going, well, we knew that. We knew that a long time. If you listen to the <laughs> podcast, if you're one of the 11 <laughs> listeners to the podcast, you'll know already. We knew this. Like, that was a secret? We knew about that weeks ago. You oh, know, okay. I, I, I would give the ACHA a hard time for not figuring this stuff out beforehand, but someone someone pointed out to me that it's, I had to go easy on them because in their defense, they were... Uh, there was a there was a movement afoot uh, at some point uh, over the over the well in the past six months to uh, have nationals to to decide whether to do one big nationals event with all five divisions or to have five separate national events one for each division. Oh, I think I remember you talking about that in maybe the first of the year. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and I expected. Because all that I had heard from some from the Division One coaches, I expected everyone to sit there and go, "Oh, we just want five separate nationals in five separate places. We just want to be able to do our own thing." You know, Division One says the heck with Division Three and the women, and the women say we want to do our thing. The heck with the boys. And but as it turned out at national or not at nationals, but at the national meeting, um, I got surprised and uh, pleasantly surprised. And uh, 80% of the coaches that voted, voted to have one big event. So, you know, uh, I, you know, I, it's coming a little late for 2024 in terms of uh, scheduling. But, you know, the ACHA was kind of put in an awkward position because I think they were also planning to not have to put on one big event. I think they also thought the tide was going to go to five separate uh, nationals and uh it didn't go that way, so now they, they were in scramble mode. So it's good that they're getting 2024 lined up, and it sounds like they're getting 2025 lined up. So, uh, yeah, very good. It'll be interesting to see where we go for 2025. Yeah, and, you know, I'm kind of with you. I I kind of like the idea of everyone being all together in one spot. You know, I don't really yeah. mind it, and um, it, it's good if, if it's it's good if you if it's in one place and if you want to you know mosey around and check out what's going on with other folks. Um, if you're just interested in one division, it's also good because you have the chance to just sit, stay put, and sit around, and you're going to get your fill of whatever level of division hockey you're you're going to see. <laughs> so, and that, that's what I do. I mean, I don't, with, with all due respect to the other four divisions, I don't really give a rip. Um, I'm division one guy, I'm parking it in the division one place and, you know, the other ones can be having all great games going on. Uh, I'll never know because all I care about is the, you know, 19 games in front of me for men's division one. So, but that's just me. Well, some of that, some of that too is just practical because there's only so much room in your brain. And so if you try to pack in too much, pretty soon stuff just starts falling out all over the place. Yeah. Well, and I'm also, you know, I've, I've got a task to do, right? When I'm at nationals, yeah. I've got yeah. to, I've got to send out snarky tweets and uh, rude comments. <laughs> and I can't do that if I'm over watching the women play or if I'm watching, you know, terrible men's division three hockey or something. So yeah. 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 Well, and, 
And, you know, I mean, again, it's just, you know, a matter of brain cells. And it's like I tried to do a little homework. I said, right, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about M2. It's like, oh, my God, you know how hard it is to find out stuff about M2? <laughs> it's like all over the place. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah, it's yeah, a secret. too many teams. Exactly. Too many teams and not enough, like, places where you can actually find information. Like, I'm trying to find out, like, if a conference even exists anymore because it kind of looks like it might not have survived. Oh, no. The pandemic right well just a conference like the teams are still playing but the conference that they belong to is a small one and they may not you know what i mean i i I just don't see anything where i see like somebody tweeting or posting a social media we won the 2021 conference tournament oh wow so but but there's no way of knowing right and they could have had it just nobody bothered to post it right it's just that's that's how hard it is when you're trying to get information in these lower divisions it is yeah it's few and far between, and you know you guess a lot. I mean, I even talked to my own coach, and I said, "Well, I think these are the teams." He goes, "No, I don't think that's right." He says, "He goes, I think this one." I said, "I don't think that one's right." Yeah, so we're pulling back and forth, and neither one of us really knows. Oh wow, that that's, team doesn't belong there. Are you that, sure? Yeah, that's uh, that's the tenuous nature of these other divisions. They're a little bit more. That's. I guess that's why I like the men's division one. Women's division one patterns itself after men's division one, and so they try to you know Women's be the easier. yeah they try to be the standard for each of their respective you know uh, genres in the ACHA and yeah men's three and, and men's fewer two teams. And, yeah they have fewer men's teams two and, and men's three women's two it's just oh and they're yeah loosely organized as opposed yeah. to women's one and men's one that are kind of uh, a little bit tighter ship so yeah much tighter ship yeah so it was funny because it was true looking up things on the women and and also my women's head coach who I you know like I'm going to my men's two m2 head coach to ask him the skinny on the teams because he's you know studied these teams he's gonna have to play them so I can ask him hey what's the league look like and then I go to my women's one and she's just a a much more experienced coach Uh so when I ask her that big picture question she's got the answers just like that right (laughs) so that that also makes my life easier and and part of the reason is is that do you know who our head coach is for our women's team in Utah? Me, no, I have no clue. Oh, her name is Brayden Yo. Okay. Y E O. Yeah. And so that last name might sound familiar if you're a follower of like St. Louis Blues about ten years ago. Oh, okay. There was a uh, uh, coach by the last name of Yo. His daughter. Aha! Uh-huh, very nice. Yeah. So so when I so it's funny because I got on the phone with her and as soon as I ask her the big picture question, she knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because I mean, <laughs> she's, she's a hockey person. Whereas She's a hockey person who's been around, like, you know, kind of the big picture of hockey, not just like her team. Whereas, you know, my M2 coach, he's a good coach, but he's that more typical homegrown talent who used to play for Utah and is now coaching. And this is his first collegiate coaching gig, right? So it's it's a little bit more for him. Like, he's going to get get some more years under his belt before he can smoothly just answer that off the top of his head when I ask him the big picture because he's still <laughs> focusing on how do I get my team right That's to like right. be competitive against the people I need to play like next week. Oh jeez. Right? And it's just a matter of experience. But like I said, Braden's like right on top of it, right? As soon as I asked her the thing. So I think it'll be fun to talk about the women's today. I'm much more prepared for the women's than the men's. I have to do a little more digging on the men's. But Uh-oh. you know, you know me. We'll get there. I will just Yeah, we'll get there and I will just, you know, impart my two cents worth of whatever <laughs> very good well hey we've got uh the next men's one ranking we've been you know yes. it's just a popularity contest um so it's going to come out uh this wednesday we had the preseason that came out uh, the preseason ranking came out about three weeks ago 
And so this this will be nothing more than another popularity contest based on three or uh, two or three weeks of results. Um, I'm not going to get too excited about it. Um, yeah. The 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 big thing for me is uh, that that I pay attention to out of this ranking is how many coaches out of the 70 men's division one coaches how many coaches actually vote. Last time it was only 22 out of 70. So let's see if it's still. 22 or if there's still a couple more we'll see we'll find out maybe we could hit maybe we could break even and get to like 36 or something well that would be awesome i doubt i doubt it but maybe that would be great so uh so that that's something to look forward to um i guess on the men's side and then um yeah our podcast it's still you know unfortunately for some uh it's still going along still chugging along still the craptastic podcast we've always put out so <laughs> oh yeah. i did want i did want to put mention something uh, yeah. on the update side. I okay. actually could stay on topic. Sometimes I can. Yeah. I want to say how much I like the new ACHA features, the map and the almanac spreadsheet. Really? Have you looked at those? Uh, I have. You're talking about on the front page of the ACHA website, there's yeah. a little blurb for the map. And so it's, it's a Google. It's basically a map built in Google that just shows you where all the teams are. Uh-huh. It just kind of shows you where they're clustered and who the M1s and who the M2s are and stuff. It's just kind of cool. I mean, you know, it, it it's a nice way of saying, look, you know, it's not just like the ACHA is a pretty big organization. Like if you're talking to someone who doesn't understand what club hockey is, it's a nice little way to say, look at all these, you know these teams across the country it's a graphic representation and um it's it's pretty sharp jim martin who is the secretary for the acha he's also the head coach for michigan state men's division two he's the one who dreamed that up a couple of years ago um and it's it's pretty sharp because you can you can hit the filters on the side and you can show just right. men's one. You can just show just women's one. You can show, you know, uh, break it down by just men, ju- but just women. You can see all of them. And it's pretty impressive to see where all of the ACHA teams are throughout the country and how uh, how pervasive, I guess, would be the word right. that the ACHA right. is throughout the lower I mean, 48. I think it I think it gives the ACHA some credibility where it's not just like a little tiny local phenomenon, right? Yep. Or it's not like... You know, somebody's calling it national just because there's nobody else competing, right? It's like they're operating out of their, out of their garage or something. Yeah, I know that there, there are some folks that, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a garbage in, garbage out type of a thing because there are some teams that are on there that shouldn't be, and there are some teams that should be on there that aren't, but uh, they're trying their best. There's only 473 uh, <laughs> ACHA teams, so I think we'll allow them uh, – some some variance yeah a little leeway and one, and one jim martin <laughs> a, a one percent or a two percent you know uh, uh fudge factor margin there. of error yeah yeah there you go well, and the, and the, the and almanac the is pretty is, sharp too the almanac is pretty amazing right i mean it literally has i mean because again you know you know i had already talked about this some of the frustration for me is even just trying to figure out who's in my west division for m2 because it's there's so many teams in M2 that even the West region, the West District, is is a big chunk. And with because it's an Excel spreadsheet, now all I have to do is just go to that column and I can just sort it and I've got all the Western region teams all in a row. And before that, I couldn't do that until the rankings started coming out, right? Yep. And then if one team didn't have enough results, they might get missed just because they didn't have enough you know, results to make the ranking. But now I actually just have a set. And it has things like links to their social media feeds. It has contact numbers for who to call for recruiting, who to call for event operations. I mean, it's 
pretty cool. And obviously, I don't know how accurate it is, but it's the kind of thing that if I was a coach and I'm trying to make travel plans, it would sure be handy to know, oh, this is the person, right? Here's the head coach. Here's the facility. Here's where it is, right? Here's where the facility is. Like they'll have a link and, and some of the links will even have you pictures of what the site looks like. Yep. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It, it, it is pretty impressive. It's... um. It's it's pretty comprehensive. David Herman, who runs a, another podcast and another website, he, he runs. Uh, he's out of Syracuse. What, yeah, 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 really. He runs. It's the Hockey House podcast, which is a pretty good little oh. thing. It's more for more for the players, and it's a little more on the let's get together and burp and fart and giggle type <laughs> podcast, as opposed to you know let's let's actually talk hockey. Um, but he does. Uh, He's he's put this together and it's it's very comprehensive. The one thing that I wish, and it's it's just a part of spreadsheets. Um, it's so comprehensive. I don't think that people will realize that you've got to if you grab the little bar across the bottom, you can you'll have to oh, toggle right, all the way across. In yeah, right. because that's how far it goes. It's it's pretty impressive in terms of the team name. It tells you whether it's a private school, what the religion yep. is. I think it tells you the size of the, even the relative size of the enrollment. Yeah. I mean, in, in tuition, and it has links to elite prospect rosters, and it has, I mean, links to all the social media. So someone has put in an absolute boatload of work, which yep. is And, and yeah, just that horizontal scrolling will, will catch you if you don't realize, oh, what's so impressive about that? But then you start scrolling to the right, and you go, wow, this thing goes on forever. Yeah. I mean, this is just me, okay? I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but- <laughs> A through Z is 26, right? And these columns are A through BQ. So what is BQ? That's probably the 20. That's well, that means you got to go through a, AZ. That means you got to go, so A to the Z. At then least you go 26. AA, AA to AZ. Oh, really? Right? Oh, wow. And then, right? Oh, oh that's and right. Then, nope, you're right. You're right. Right? And then you got to go, uh, what do you call it? Uh B A to B Z, I believe. Wow! So that's at least that's at least. Here, let me take my shoes off so I can count. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go open this up now because now I'm now I'm curious. Take your shoes off so you can count. That, that, that's go gotta, grab your cat and count the cat's toes. Really? Too. I'm telling you what. That's got to be at least fifty separate columns. So you're scrolling. I mean, it's just chock full of information, and uh, hopefully it's up to date. It's uh, and it's a nice thing. You know, I don't know how practical it is. Um, but it's, uh, oh, it also, it also lists what conference, uh, teams belong to, which is again, very helpful. Yeah. yeah, you're right. BQ and it goes, and let me see if the B's, yeah. So the B's start at BA and then it goes BB, BC to BQ. But yeah, the A's go from AA to AZ. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm telling you, someone put in a lot of work. Yeah, the they did. Classes at Syracuse must be super easy for that kid to have a lot of time on his hands <laughs> to do to to jerk around with the Hockey House podcast. He takes some great pictures too. He he roams around at nationals taking pictures and doing interviews, and he had time to put together this goofy spreadsheet. So and he uh, even has a change log, kind of like how Wikipedia, so you can track when things get changed. Well, that's just so that idiots like me can't get in there and you know <laughs> screw it up. Screw it up for my rivals or something, right? I can't. Utah can't get in there and say, "Okay, Utah State, here you go. We're going to change your website to you know www dot you know kickrocks dot com." Well, they must have heard you because it says right here on the homepage to create a copy for yourself. Click on file, make copy. This is a master copy and cannot be edited. 
had you in mind. They, they, they did. They, they knew I'm not, I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> well, it's pretty sharp. It's pretty sharp. And the nice it's thing is, um, it's, it's fairly comprehensive. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty. With useful information, right? It's like lots of columns, but a lot of it is pretty useful. And if you do understand spreadsheets, you can hide columns. And like I said, you can sort, you can hide columns to just see the stuff you want. Yep. It's I'm pretty impressed. So I thought since we're talking about updates, I wanted to mention that because I was very impressed. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Well, good good for those guys and good for the ACHA to uh, put it out there, the almanac, they call it. Yeah. I don't know that I can go for the almanac. That sounds kind of old farmery, but uh, whatever. Hey, let's talk yeah, some that, games. That's Let, not kind of weird. Let's talk oh, some yeah, games let's, really let's quick. Stop talking about stupid stuff and talk <laughs> about fun stuff. <laughs> well, this is all we do. It's <laughs> it's the stupid stuff podcast. <laughs> Hey, oh, okay. we we had um, we had five, how many teams do we have in action? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We had eight teams in action. Um, so who did that mean was off this week? Oklahoma was off this past week, and who's the other one? Uh, Colorado. There we go. Colorado was off this week. So th- those guys won the week. They were in study hall all week. I trust. And uh, we're catching up on all their homework. Improve exactly, and you know, reading and writing and arithmetic and all that kind of junk. Um, Meanwhile, Midland from uh, my B conference, the MCH, they came down to Edmond, Oklahoma, to take on UCO Midland. These were the first games of the season for Midland. They're getting a late start to the season. Wow, that uh, is a late start. Yeah, yeah, and you, they came down to take on the. the Broncos of UCO and UCO uh, took care of business, sweeping them six to two and four to three. Yeah. Now, Anita, I know you didn't watch the games because you're busy. You've got you've got a life, and you're you, you mentioned before we hit record that you're off uh, announcing and watching other games. Um, did anything stand out to you about the UCO Midland series? Um. You know, I what I was trying to figure out is I don't know much about Midland. Like Midland is a historically fairly strong program, right? The, historically, yeah, they're probably like a fifteen okay. to twenty type program. Okay, all right. Um, I guess then I was surprised that UCO let them score as many goals against. Huh. Okay. But you know that part of that's based on my ignorance about how good Midland is, right? I guess I would have expected. Uh, more like a four to one game, but that you know, Midland is notorious. Mid- go ahead. Oh, I think what was more surprising to me is that UCO lost to UNLV. So going back further than oh yeah, uh, last week, but going back to the week that I wasn't on the podcast, right? They mm-hmm. lost to UNLV, right? Um, they lost to Maryville, but again, I I I know Maryville strong, so I can't quite remember. It looks like they split against Maryville, but I. Like I said, I, I think what surprised me is that they lost, and they they didn't just lose. It looks like they lost two to five. That's right. Five. They they lost five to two with an empty netter up there at. Uh, they played oh, that okay. game in Denver, and uh, UNLV was in uh, Denver to play uh, the UNLV University of Denver. Off to, yeah. Okay. And uh, UCO just happened to be up there to. Uh, they they were coming off of two wins at uh, Colorado State. And so what, how it turned out, um, UNLV, the Southwest Airlines changed the flights for UNLV to of return to Vegas. Did. And so UNLV was all of a sudden looking at leaving Denver at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. And so they got together with UCO and they said, hey, 
if you'll stick around for a little while, we'll find the rink and let's let's have ourselves a game. And oh, now that's kind of fun. Yeah, so that's that's what I they did. Kind of cool. The the internet was uh, was not good at the Big Bear Rink, but uh, so so yeah, it was it was a good little thing, and you know, uh, power to. UNLV for for winning that game and props to both teams for you know scheduling something on the fly but you know I also wouldn't get too I'm not going to get too worked up about things one you know either positive or negative because they don't give away trophies in October um, right you know and so it's early like you said this is Midland's like first games first series right yeah yeah this or is close to yeah this is Midland's first series Midland is notorious or has a history I should say of being a uh, kind of a not a not a dirty team but being a very physical team that takes a lot of penalties and oh. they have a the the thing that stood out to me was that they kind of cleaned a lot of that up because they didn't take an oh, awful lot of penalties um yeah on game one and they only had four penalties game two they had let's see one two three four five six penalties seven penalties and it's, uh, you know, usually in years past, we would be talking, they would have 24 penalties and 27 penalties. And they would, <laughs> so, you know, uh, Midland's gotten away from, uh, they're, they're playing hockey as opposed to, you know, just coming out there with axes and chains and trying to have a, a street fight on ice. Yep. And so. Smythe hockey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Consmythe hockey. Isn't he the one, isn't he the one who said, if you can't beat him in the alley, you can't beat him on the ice? <laughs> I think he's the guy who said that. I trust you. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a scholar, but I trust you on that one. <laughs> I'm just old, man. <laughs> I actually remember when the divisions had the Smythe name and they had the, you know, oh, yeah. they had the cool names instead of like blah, blah, blah West. Yeah. That was so boring. Oh uh, yeah. That was, that was great. The, uh, the Clarence, the Camel Division, and uh, I'm just trying to think of where the Red Sox, yeah, see, not the Red Sox, the Bruins, the, they were in the Norris Division. I mean, they, they yeah, had all sorts. Like that. It's like all those cool names, right? Yeah, yeah but, long time uh, ago. Well. The, oh, the, well. other, the other thing that stood out to me was that um, there was no quit in Midland because UCO had the game on Saturday well in hand. It was 4-1, to one, and they were basically playing a... Uh, a prevent defense, if you will, for the last minute of the game. And Midland was having none of it and scored two goals in the last ah, 40 seconds to make a four to one game, a four to three game. So good, good for Midland that it shows that they've, uh, they've, they've got some, uh, well, they've got some pride, right? And they're, they're going to play for right, a full right, 60 right. minutes. And I guess good for coach Rivera. Cause now he has something to chew on his guys for his UCO guys, uh, for letting up yeah. for that last minute, and yeah. you know, that's gonna that'll probably See, you know, that, might hurt him in the computers. Yeah, I, I, that explains a lot because I was thinking of a four-one game instead of a four-three, but the fact that they just kind of said, "Well, we're just gonna like treat these guys like nobodies and just go on defense." Yep, yep, and that's like, uh, disrespectful. And <laughs> you, well, I don't think it was disrespectful as much as it was just they, you know, they thought they had it in hand and they thought Midland was gonna lay down and. Also recognize that they had it in hand in Midland. Said, "No, we're still playing. There's still time on the clock. We're still going." So, uh, prop, yeah, props to their coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, good ASU went up to Oregon to take on the University of Oregon. This this was also Oregon's um, first games of the season, and Oregon is a newcomer to uh, men's Division right. One. And uh, ASU won both games. The first game was a seven to six affair. The second game that surprised me a little was six to two. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think we were all surprised. Um, I'll tell you what, Anita. I watched the the game, 
And what a So tell a, me how how are you watching it on YouTube? Are on you YouTube. YouTube yep. Yep. Okay. Most all these games are broadcast on YouTube. There's a couple that are okay. broadcast on other uh, on other platforms, but like Facebook or something. Yeah, Black Dog Hockey, something like that. Um, okay. But uh, Oregon put this game on fa- on uh, on YouTube, and they packed the place out. They were all the way around. Wow. Uh, they they got like two thousand people into this little pole barn of an arena. And uh, they were, it was, they were just, there were people standing on buckets and hanging over what? the glass. It was just crazy. In fact, Whoa. there's a video that I saw earlier today, um, and, and it confirms what I was told by some of the coaches of a kid that was standing on a bucket. I'll, I'll have to retweet it. I don't know. Well, I don't know that I want to, but the kid was standing on a, well, I don't know that I want to, you know, I don't want to encourage the behavior, right? It's like oh, right, on, right, right, on right. football and Monday night football, they don't want to show the streaker because they don't want people to sit there and say, Hey, this is a way for me to get on TV. Right. Exactly. exactly. Um, so this kid was standing on some sort of a chair or a barrel or something near the Arizona state bench. And he just leaned over and he grabbed the, uh, the ball cap off of the backup goaltender uh, for Arizona State, and then he just <gasps> sc- he just scrammed off through the crowd. And I know they eventually got it back, and the kid got kicked out of the arena. But uh, it's, you know, someone obviously put him up to it because it's on video, and it made it to the video. Uh, so somebody was ready for it when it happened. Somebody was ready for it when it happened because it's <laughs> I, I, I saw it all the way here in Norman, Oklahoma, and oh it's uh, it's crazy. But hey, you know, Oregon. Uh, fought back hard. Arizona State scored two empty net goals, and they needed to because Oregon it was one of those deals, Anita, where it was like five to four, and Oregon's trying to tie the game up, and they pull the goaltender. Arizona State wins. Uh, Arizona State scores an empty netter, and then sure enough, right at the next faceoff, Oregon scores. So it's like, oh, they do it all over again. They pull the goaltender. Wow. Arizona State scores, and then they come back, and Oregon scores again. So they needed those two empty net goals to secure the W. Um, and, Interesting. Yeah, and then the next night they just came right out and just dominated. Um, <laughs> just stomped them. Just stomped them like they should have done the first night. But, uh, hey, give credit. The, the Oregon uh, kids were jacked up. They were, uh, they were excited, and they, had a great, they played in front of a great crowd. Um, they got a lot to learn in terms of playing at the men's Division One level and putting on men's Division One hockey games. But uh, right. hey, it was a it was a good weekend for the Ducks, and it was a better weekend for ASU to go up there and get two dubs. Yeah, well, I was just looking here. It's like that's the only games Oregon's played so far. So that they're, yep. they're an zero two because of Oregon of Arizona State. It looks like they're going to take on Colorado next. That's right. They go to Boulder. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, oh, that's right. They're going to the next part. <laughs> it's okay. It's they, or Oregon's trying to. Oregon desperately, desperately, desperately wants to get into the Western Collegiate Hockey League. And right. unfortunately, they are just geographically so isolated that it's right. not going to be practical, I don't think. So, hey, whatever. Uh, hey, after that, we had three WCHL uh, series. Arizona was at Grand Canyon. Utah was at UNLV. And Missouri State was at Colorado State. Let's start down in the Valley. Arizona went up to Arizona Ice Arcadia and played two games against their nemesis, Grand Canyon. And I'm telling you what, Grand Canyon has U of A's number because uh, Grand Canyon won both of these games, 4-3 to three and 5-2. to two. Yeah. And just, uh, I mean, both good, tight little hockey games, not an awful lot of penalties. 
Um, not an awful lot of, I mean, Grand Canyon took advantage of the power play. They scored four power play goals on the weekend, uh, especially on Saturday. But, uh, wow, I'm telling you what, Grand Canyon just seems to have Arizona's number. What do you, I mean, Grand Canyon's always been one of those teams where, you know, they could beat you on a good day. What do you think of them? In general, this year, if they're not playing Arizona, where do you I, think they're gonna? I, th- I think they'll be. I think they'll be okay. I think they're gonna be, um, in kind of in the. They almost seem more competitive this year than last year. I don't think there's any yeah. doubt about that. I don't think there's okay. any doubt. Um, I think they're okay. they're improved, and I would give them a good chance to be in the. They were already kind of on the cusp of last year. They were on the cusp of the top twenty-five. They would get into the twenty to twenty-five range. So I would say they're solidly there now, and they have the opportunity if they can, you know, chain some some good wins together. Um, they have the opportunity to move up into that fifteen to twenty range. Right, uh, right, so right. They've got some. Uh, they've got some good pieces. I mean, number thirty three. Uh, I think it's Jacob Cummings. Yeah, Jacob Cummings is a good little player. They've got. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think. They've got this. Uh, they've got some really Didn't good. Didn't they have a pretty good goalie? They did have a good goalie last year, Scott Kasabowski, but he's gone. And but they've got oh. now a, another goaltender, Riley Morgan, who played both games against U of A and did very very well. I mean, he ended up seeing a, a gajillion shots. It looks like here. Let's see. He had twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. Only a gajillion. Yeah, he, he had almost sixty shots both uh, over the entire weekend, and he only let in. What five goals? Uh, so not 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 too shabby, and so and they've got some they've got some good scoring there with uh, uh, Dylan Dent and Corey Potak and um, this uh, number seventeen Colby Donovan uh, seems to be a good little player too for uh, for GCU. So I think they'll I think they're going to be uh, uh, just fine. Oh, the, I know who I was trying to think of. It's I, I should have remembered this because thirty three stands out. But 44 is a good little player for them, too, that Hunter Schmitz. And those oh, okay. in 33 and 44, 33 stands out because he's wearing a goaltender number, but he's skating out that's front. Right. And, that's uh, right. I should remember 44 because he's also a double number. And that Schmitz and Cummings uh, duo, they're, they're a good little crew uh, for GCU. So I think they'll, I think they'll you know, surprise some people. And um, uh, they have they stand a good chance of being in the fifteen to twenty range, and, and even higher depending on what happens uh, in terms right, of right. Who, who they play. So right, and last year they all seemed almost on the brink of breaking into that twenty, right? But they just couldn't like stay there. That, that's right. That's right. Well, it's you know it's it's kind of a learning curve. It takes a while, yeah. and. You know, you've you you just don't automatically become number one. Um, it you've got to break into the top twenty, then you got to break into the top fifteen, then you got to break into the top ten, and it takes a while to get there. You got to learn how to win, and you got to learn how to play solid, dominating hockey. And every weekend, consistently, ex- exactly. Yeah. And that's just it. it. You can't just turn it off. And I mean, let's Utah was kind of that way. Utah jumped out, had a fast start last year, and then kind of tailed off. And, you know, instead of winning dominating weekends, they would split weekends. And, yep. and yep. Uh, you know, they would – and so they, they kind of tailed off a little bit. And it's – that's what Grand Canyon happened or had happened last year. And so they're learning how to win. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty good. And, I you know, Arizona is going to be just fine. They've got great coaching uh, down there with Chad Berman. So they'll be just fine. This was their – um, not their season opener, but it was their road opener, and uh, they're, they're going to be just fine. They've 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 just got to uh, 
play more consistently, and they've they've always had a tough time uh, starting the season just because of the lack of ice that they have down in Tucson. But once they get into the groove and get a regular series going, a regular weekend uh, uh, of games on a regular basis, their U of A is going to be just fine. But for the hey, right now GCU has their number. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking well, of so yeah. yeah. Speaking of teams that on a learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice transition because Utah, your Utah Utes, Anita, they were down at UNLV to take on uh, the, the Skating Rebels. And it's kind of wild. They didn't play at, uh, at, at the normal place, the City National Arena. I'm, I, I'm guessing that's because of conflicts with the uh, big team that's in there. Uh, oh, the, the Knights. The Golden Knights. That's right. The, excuse me, the Golden Knights. It's not to be. Con- <laughs> yes, there's. We have apparently in in Las Vegas there are Golden Knights and Silver Knights. So. Uh, oh, I think the Silver Knights precede the Golden Knights, right? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's historically, the, it's the club team, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's their AAA team. So long story short, uh, the the Utah UNLV games were out in Henderson. They played them. First at the on Friday night at the Dollar Loan Center, and then the next <laughs> night was at Lifeguard Arena. And I'm telling you what, whoever names these arenas needs to be taken out back and slapped around. <laughs> what what happened to you know like the the great names Madison Square Garden, you know, or uh, it's the, all about it's all about whoever can pay. And I'll bet you anything, Dollar Loans is is like. Hauling in money loan over fist because they're one of those payday loan companies, right? I, those guys have such a margin. Yeah. I talked to a banker once. He says, "You know why they make so much money? Because they don't have the FDIC breathing down their neck. Oh wow! They don't have to follow those with the same rules. So they have different user. Yeah. They have different interest rules, usury rules, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you know, he goes, he says, he says, I'm jealous. They get to do stuff. There's no way we can do. <laughs> le- le- legal legal loan sharking. They do. Yep. Pretty much. Well, pretty I, much. What, I mean, so okay. So you know, terrible, really. you know what Dollar Loan Arena is. What's Lifeguard then? What is is that a? I uh, have Lifeguard in the middle of the desert beats me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder. Well, lifeguard, anyways, is it well? Is it maybe an insurance company or something? I have no idea what Lifeguard is. Who knows? It sounds to me like it's a soap, but uh, <laughs> you know, what do, what do I know? That's uh, that's. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, that's it's it's the soap arena. But I mean, come on. We we've got you got old Chicago Stadium, right? You've got the Odd in Buffalo. You have the Cap Center in Washington. You have, uh, geez, uh, you know what? What did we used to have at? at uh, you got the Forum in Montreal. You have these gigantic classic names, and now we've got the Dollar Loan Center and the Lifeguard Arena. And you're like, come on. Well, and it gets worse because when the sponsors are changed, then the arena name changes. Oh, right? hey, yeah, yeah, I know all about so, that. Like, you could have a different, he could have a different name every couple of years. It's like, where is it? You know, where is the, the stadium? It's like, well, where is that? Oh, that's the old, you know, that used to be called this, and then before that, it was called, you know, the whatever. Yeah. Yep. But I think all those old names are going by the wayside because it's all about trying to make more money. Yeah. Where Where did the Golden Knights say? They play at the T-Mobile Arena. Come on. I mean, there's it's named after a cell phone company. I don't know. Right. I, I I don't get it. But you're right. It's that's that's just me being old and crabby. So <laughs> hey, uh, old and crabby. I tell you what, uh, Coach Morgan Feeney from Utah had to have oh, been he's old. Gotta be crabby. Old and crabby after that Friday night game. Utah had a uh, had a lead on on UNLV for uh, two periods. Had a yep. Had had a one to nothing lead and then a two to one lead. 
uh, UNLV ties it up, and then they score with a minute 33 to go in the game on a heartbreaker. Um, uh, oh, the, I didn't see it, but I heard about it. This is the one where the puck got hung up in the referee's skate. Yes, yes. In and, the corner. And, and so he kicks it out. Yeah, well, he, he he's trying to move out of the way, and in doing so, he inadvertently, his right skate inadvertently hits the puck, and it knocks it right to a UNLV guy who's in the corner who then feeds it to a UNLV guy who is standing all alone in front of, at the top of the crease, <laughs> who just right. puts it back past the Utah goalie, Mr. Anderson, yep. and that was all she wrote. Yep. So it was... Uh, I have to go back and look at that one, because I, I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it, and it was like, yeah, one of those groaners, like, what? Yeah, it's if, you, if you're not looking for it, you kind of miss it. Uh, the referee kind of gets lost in the wash there. He's out of... Out of position, and it's not like he kicks the puck intentionally. He's just trying no, to get no, the no, heck out of the way. That. Yeah, he was just trying to get out of the way, and yeah, like, kind and of puck just ends up deflecting off of him. And the Utah guys are desperately trying to pin the puck up against the boards, and they yep. to- totally forgot about a guy who was just sitting there between the circles in the house. And <laughs> man, he took care of business. Brad Gallant is was was his name, and I think it was a minute thirty three. A minute there was just oh, a, a little over a minute and change left when he scored the goal. Just what an absolute heartbreaker. And then the next night, you could tell that uh, UNLV was firing on all cylinders, and Utah was just kind of, you know, I'm not going to say they had, you know, they had had their chance, but they had kind of had their chance on Friday night. And Saturday, UNLV just plugged away with two goals each period, and Utah was just trying to, they they got a couple goals in the second, but that was it. They really didn't put up much of a, I'm not going to say they didn't put up a fight, but it was, the game was over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can, I mean, I was, again, didn't see the game. Nobody's listening from Utah, right? I didn't watch the game. (laughs) But I was kind of stunned at the score because it's like, you know, I mean, Utah never really challenged. Because right, 2-0 after the first, 4-0 after the second, something like that. 4-2, yep. Or 4-2 after the second. So, you know, Utah really never challenged. It was kind of like UNLV led the whole way. And it's like, hmm, yeah. wonder what was going on there. Well, and then in the you, in the third period on the on the Saturday game, Utah, you could tell Utah was frustrated. They ended up taking, you know, a ton of penalties. And, and a bunch penalties. of Yeah, a bunch of just frustrating penalties. So, yeah, right, you, the, the dumb ones. Yeah, 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 they were just frustrated. They wanted to get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, so yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll get them when they come back to the Salt Lake City Sports Complex. So yeah. well, you and, and you, I was thinking good things. You know, I was so excited about Utah because I was expecting the new improved Utah, and I'm looking at the win loss record, going, "Well, it's not exactly like last year either." So I just I'm calling it the sophomore slump. <laughs> so last year nobody expected Utah to be any good, right? And they surprised everyone. But now everyone's expecting Utah to be very good, and they have to live up to the expectation. And like you said, it's the learning curve. Utah's right. They'll get there. Learn how to be a winner. Yep. So well, and and unfortunately for Utah, they've played five games, um, and all five have been on the road. So um, right. you know, right. I'm, I'm sure once they get to the, once they get home and they uh, take care of to business the ice. to the big ice there at the Our Salt Lake City ice. Sports Complex, yeah, yeah, at altitude, the bigger ice at altitude. There you go. Spread people out a bit. <laughs> yeah, and and. You know, I'm sure they're looking for the two, but you know, I, I suspect too that you know Morgan Feeney's got to be scratching his head as well because that lack of discipline, right? That that's not supposed to happen either, right? I mean, okay, you're frustrated, I get that, but 
you know, you got to figure out how to rein that in, boys. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you got to. I mean, that's I'm, what winning teams do when they when they're having a bad day, they don't fall apart. So. It, it's it's a it's, it. you know, they, 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 it's like a business, right? You yep. you don't look for excuses. You just sit there and go, okay, they got us today. We're going to get them tomorrow, and yep. Uh, yep. you just go yep. about it. Hey, speaking of getting Colorado State stuck it to Missouri State not once but twice no up in Fort Collins, no Colorado kidding. State wins on Friday night six to four, and then they uh, get a shootout win. A four to three shootout win on Saturday, and just what we Andrew and I talked about last week on the podcast is kind of uh, come to pass. Missouri State plays great at home, and on the road they can tend to struggle. Mm-hmm. And Colorado State was uh, was able to make them make them pay. I was really surprised with uh, the the Friday night score the the just the dominating the six four six four. I mean, it was a five four. Um, game or five three game, I should say, and uh, you know CSU gets a gets an empty netter, and then you know uh, C- uh, um, um, God, I'm gonna bounce here. Okay. Uh, Missouri State, M-O-C-O. yeah, there you go, M O. That's I was I was lost there in my states. Missouri State uh, got a late goal on the on the power play, even after the empty netter was scored to make it six to four. But it was. Uh, it was a pretty clear and convincing uh, Colorado State win, and then yeah, on yeah. Saturday, man, what an exciting uh, game! The, the 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 guys were tired though, and you could tell, you could just tell that it was, um, uh, you know, you, Missouri State jumped out to a quick lead, a two to nothing lead, and then the set, it was a it was ebb and flow because Missouri State had all the momentum in the first. Colorado State had all the momentum in the second. Ooh. Missouri State evens up the game in the third, and they're, you think they're going to score the winner because they're putting all the pressure on, and they survive overtime. Colorado State does, and they push it to a uh, to a shootout. Shootout. Yep, yeah. and it goes four rounds deep, and I'm telling you what, there was a pretty slick little move by one of the Colorado State guys, the first shooter. Um, here I'm going to look up his name really quick because I have it somewhere. Yeah, four rounds. That's that's a lot. It did go four rounds, and I'm trying to think of why it's not. Was it a, did it be a three and a half hour game? It, it was a long game. It was a really long game. Here we go. The shooter. It was uh, uh, Tristan Meistus with the sweet little. He had one of those goals, Anita, where you where you the guy's skating down, he's skating down, he pulls a little deke and he, he's going to the left and the goalie goes to the left with him and he just holds his right arm out with a stick and tucks the puck right around the guy. Oh, and man. um yeah, it's a it's a sweet little move. I, I saw it on uh I saw it live and then I saw the Colorado State also put it up on their social media. We'll have to find that one and retweet it too. Yeah. Yeah, we will have to. So Colorado State comes away with the dub, uh, the sweep for the weekend. So we had a bunch of sweeps, UCO sweeps, ASU sweeps, Grand Canyon sweeps, UNLV sweeps, and Colorado State sweeps. So uh, Colorado sitting there 4-2-0, and oh, right? They only lost to UCO. Uh, I mean, Colorado State. Colorado, Colorado State. State. Sorry. That's correct. Yep. I'm sitting with four two and zero, oh, and right, only losing to UCL. That's correct. Pretty sweet. Yep. So in the WCHL standings, um, we have a tie, a four way tie at the top. Central Oklahoma, Arizona State, Colorado, and Nevada, Las Vegas have all played a uh, couple of games, and they all have six points, so they're all tied for first. In fifth place, I guess technically it should be is Grand Canyon, um, yep. because they've well. They're still they're tied for first in points, but they've played one extra game. Uh, 
And then in uh, sixth place would be Colorado State. Uh, like Anita just said, they're four two and zero on the season. They're one. They're they're one regulation win, one overtime win, and two losses in in conference. And look at those goals for and goals against. Yeah, <laughs> it's like whoa! It's just like a goal scoring. It's like goal scoring madness there. They can put up some points. That's for sure. And then uh, uh, the Utes come in in seventh place. They have they played five games, but they only have three points to show for it. And then uh, Missouri State is in eighth place, and rounding out the uh, the rest of the conference is Arizona and Oklahoma. They've both played two games. They've both lost those games, so we have zero points. So you know it's kind of skewed. I don't get too excited. It's early October. Um, that's this thing is going to change and fluctuate. Uh, and it'll really start to settle in around the beginning of January. But it's, right. uh, it's, I mean, I think the usual suspects are uh, right there at the top with Central and Nevada, Las Vegas, and Arizona State, I think, is going to surprise some folks. And, uh, you know, then we've... Well, and ne- I think Colorado is artificially high because you go, oh, they're 6 but then they played play Metro State, the M2 team. Yep. They played San Diego State, and they played Oklahoma. Yep. It was at the bottom of the ranking. So the 6 suddenly doesn't look quite so impressive, that's, right? That's the that's the truth. Yeah, and I think they're going to... Uh, they'll, they'll get... That's what I was going to say. I think the next tier... After UCO, UNLV, and uh, Arizona State, I think the next year would be uh, Arizona, Missouri State, and Grand Canyon, and maybe Colorado. And then, uh, and then after that, you know, Colorado State and Utah are right there in the mix. So, uh, so we'll see. I think Oklahoma is just gonna. I think they're gonna. It's gonna. It could be a long year for the Sooners. They're they're so. gonna be struggling a bit. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Hey, let's do this. Let's uh, hear a horn really quick and take a quick break. We'll come back and get Anita's update on some women's one and some men's two stuff. We'll have some predictions and then we'll get out of here. Sound like a plan, Anita? Sounds good to me. Here let's we go. Do it. All right, we got time for a few questions here. We got a plane to catch. Johnny, another tough loss for the club. Fans throwing their jerseys on the ice. Tell us what went wrong out there. We got to have four lines banging, banging bodies all night long, uh, getting pucks out, keeping it simple. Mike, this loss puts you guys in last place in the West. The coach's job is on the line. What's the solution here? Well, you know, we can start by staying out of the box. You know, play a discipline game out there, pretty simple stuff. Uh, but we're frustrated here right now. We're frustrated bunch. Uh, you know, it's too bad that uh, that someone's got to wear it, and it's usually the coach. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's up to uh, the guys in this room to uh, get pucks deep, get pucks in the net, and uh, win some hockey games. Johnny, you were recently photographed in a Florida strip club snorting cocaine off a transvestite prostitute's breasts. What's the story there? Four lines. Four lines. Four lines of cocaine? You got to have, like I said, four lines banging all night long, banging bodies. Doing the little things right. Mike, word is your, um, this is off topic, I know, but uh, word is your sexual preference tends towards men. Um, would you like to speak to that? No, you can't always be in the box, you know. Can't spend all your time in the box. It's like I said, uh, you know, this game is all about uh, finding those holes one way or another. You know, finding those pockets out there. So, you know, we got to uh, just keep working hard, get uh, get pucks deep, get pucks in the net, and, uh, you know, win some hockey games. Johnny, true, you admitted <clears throat> yourself to a Colorado hospital with a gerbil inside your anal cavity. Well, you got to get it out right. Uh, you got to clear your own zone. Uh, you get in trouble, you gotta get those pucks high hard off the glass. Mike, rumor is that there's a sexually transmitted fungal infection going on amongst the coaching staff. Who's to blame for that? Ultimately, it's on the players. 
uh, ultimately it's on the guys in this room where it starts. Uh, it's like I said, you know, it's too bad that somebody's got to wear it. It's usually the coach. But, uh, you know, we got a good group of guys in this room, a group of guys who likes to bounce back after something like that. So, uh, you know, ultimately it's on the players to uh, get pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Get pucks in the net. Get pucks in the net. And, uh, and win some hockey games. Thanks, Mike. You bet. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Chance the rapper, let's do that hockey. Anita, let's let's shift really quick from men's division one. You have um, a quick update, or uh, not? I don't know, quick or anything. But you said you wanted to talk about women's one and men's two. That's kind of uh, wh- what you like to do. So let's. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah. So careful what you asked for. I asked, and you said sure. So uh, yep. yeah. So I I did a little chatting with my two head coaches and. I've said this before, is that uh, I do the play-by-play primarily for the women one and the men's two, and then I do color for the men's one. But I, I talked to my head coach for the women, and as I mentioned, Braden Yo, very smart young woman. And uh, I asked her, uh, you know, what about like last year's champions, this year's champions? And uh, Arizona is going to be Arizona is going to be the team. Uh, let me look at this again. Arizona State. I don't think Arizona. Oh, sorry, Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, Arizona State. I'm sorry. Arizona State is going to be the team everyone's going to be chasing this season. Okay. She's had a chance to look at them, and she thinks they're going to be even stronger this year. She mentioned to me what was it they did. They had some big success recruiting. They picked up ten new girls, five of whom are NCAA transfers. Uh, several of those girls are also graduate students, so they bring maturity to the table. So she thinks they're going to be this team to beat wow. this season. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, um, imagine that NCAA players wanting to transfer as graduates yeah. to the number one party school in the United States of America. <laughs> oh, is that what ASU is? Huh? I didn't know that. Imagine I didn't that. Know that. Imagine that. I wonder what they're wonder what they're studying then in graduate school. I wonder what the secret to their success is down there <laughs> at uh, on Mill Avenue. Are you casting aspersions? <laughs> I'm jealous is what I am. <laughs> I wish I was back in school. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right. And, yep. and then she was t- saying that Colorado, who last year beat ASU in the postseason tournament, right? So they, they, got, they got a chance to go to nationals. But she says Colorado has this interesting history of playing well during the regular season. And then they've been to nationals multiple times, but they tend to struggle she kind of sees that same kind of pattern, although she does think that they're going to be a little bit stronger this year. But she's not. She's not as. Uh, she's not. She doesn't think that that pattern is going to change much. But then I asked her who she thought the sleeper was going to be, the team that's going to surprise everyone. She said Colorado State. Really? Yeah. She says she's seen some big improvements over last year, and if you look at their early season record, right, they are. Four, one, and zero. Oh. They beat Denver. They beat Wyoming. They lost to Michigan State, and they beat Grand Valley. In uh, they had Grand Valley visit. They were at home, but they beat Grand Valley two games. Okay. So you know they're they're facing some you know Wyoming. I they stomped Wyoming sixteen to nothing. So I don't know how good Wyoming is, but you know they're there. She says that uh, she's seen some big improvements. They picked up some strong talent. She also thinks the program's a little more organized because Colorado State's always kind of had this problem of just not quite having the resources to have an organized, well-run program. And she thinks that that's, that's uh, improved 
Good. Between last year and this year. And then the team I'm concerned about, and I asked her about, is uh, Air Force. Air Force has always struggled to put a team together, always struggled to kind of have some consistency in their program. And this year I looked at the program and they've only got seven games scheduled. Yeah. Period. Uh, my understanding is, and I- I'm not getting this from anyone except just kind of asking around, they could be on a probationary season with the ACHA, which is why they have some limits because the ACHA is like watching them. Um, and it's a real shame because uh, there were a couple gals when they came to play here who were really good hockey players and uh, could be that, right, they're not going to have much of a chance to play. Um, so I'm kind of kind of worried for Air Force there. Okay. Yeah, I but knew I knew from some uh, prior scores that Air Force was just last year they were they they just got blasted. They went right. down to play some teams and just got absolutely creamed. And it was like, right. like games were twenty something to nothing, and they yep. were only going Very like two periods long. Yeah, and we we had double digit games against them. But what I noticed, what's really stood out, was there was one gal in particular. I can't remember her name, but two gals who stood at us being good hockey players and actually the one scored one or two goals pretty much single-handedly right where she pretty much had to skate the puck all by herself from her zone across all the way into the other zone but really good skills but just you know that case of uh you know sadly a lot of women being good players and not really having enough support around them to have a place to play right to really play yeah well very Uh, good but that's kind of my synopsis for the women okay um in the men's side, it's I'm trying to I'm going to start trying to keep track of Pack Eight. Now I did talk to our head coach Nick Fernelius. He's kind of uh, got a different pedigree, as I mentioned, than Braden. He comes from having played for Utah. His interesting history is he played for Utah during the transition, so he was on the M2 team and then on the M1 team for that 2016-17 and then 17-18 season. And uh, quite quite an interesting transition, he said, because uh, of course they had to play teams like Minot and kind of kind of the same thing that Oregon's going through in San Diego State. But he's also saying that you know Oregon and San Diego State moving up to M1 is a big loss to the Pac-8 because you know that that really then changes the the competition level across the Pac-8. Now, as far as we can tell, because it's a little hard to figure out who belongs to Pac-8 and what's going on there, but I don't think that those slots have been replaced. So the teams that are left are not nearly as strong. Um, And uh, I guess the other big news in M2 for us in Utah is that Utah is going to host this year's M2 ACHA West District uh, Championship Tournament. Yeah, the regionals, right? Yeah, the regionals. Yep, the West District Regionals is going to be hosted in Utah. Um, I believe the pack. So, so M2 is such, as you know, M2 is such a big league, you know, hundreds of teams that they, I don't know if this is by design or just kind of this way it works, but there are kind of multiple ways you can qualify nat- for nationals, right? If I understand this correctly, you can win on points as a regular season leader in your region. You can win by coming out on top at the pack eight championship and you can also qualify by being a winner at the regional championship, the ACHA M2 regionals, hmm. if, if I'm understanding that correctly. I, I could be wrong because, like I said, you're talking about me trying to figure this stuff out after only my second season of following ACH hockey. Um, and it's the, the most frustrating part for me is I'm pretty good at researching stuff, and it's just really hard. Everything 
is so uneven at the M2 level, right? I mean, you just have the limited resources, limited staffing, limited support, uh, the quality, you know, I know for uh, Nick, the quality of play is very uneven, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just hard to kind of figure out like where, what, what's going on with teams, you know, you're, you know, the frustrations you have of just getting scores posted. I mean, we have probably that times two, um, you know, just getting scores posted. So it's, it's tough. And I know he's frustrated with the ranking system because he knows that, you know, it's a matter of the ranking system is only as good as the information that's getting put in. And it's just getting put in really late or it's not getting put in completely. So it makes it really hard to figure out if those numbers are reliable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so. that, that's where men's division one and also women's division one have done an excellent job because the, the folks at men's one, the, the folks at women's one, they've been conditioned over the years to right. get their game reports in. If they're not doing live scoring, get them in that very same night. Right. And whereas men's two and the other two divisions, men's three, women's two, it's kind of a lot more loosey goosey. And, you know, hey, if you get the scores in, okay, great. If you don't, that's great too. And as you say, um, I know from the men's two side of things, it's so big. And um, it's, uh, I'll, I'll just say it, it's not very well organized. I think at the, at the top in terms of score calculation they rely more on um uh, they have a commissioner and then they have like regional coordinators and it's my understanding they rely more on the regional coordinators to kind of herd all the cats together and get all the information there (laughs) and you know everybody does it differently Uh, whereas at men's one there's one honcho and there's you know an assistant honcho that you know, thinks very much like him. And so we, we, you know, we heard all the cats in the same way at the same time. Um, So it's, it's, it's a lot different. That consistency across the different conferences across the country by having just a couple of guys at the top, as opposed to letting every region fend for themselves, right? That's automatically going to introduce a lot of variability. And so, yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's not, this is not a judgment. It's just that's no. kind of just the reality of what we've, we've got. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, ACHA Men's 1 has 70 teams, and ACHA Men's 2 has almost 200 teams. Yep. So yep. it's it's just insane. Yeah, it's just the way the way it goes. And as you say, there's, as you correctly point out, there's levels uh, in in the difference of quality, of uh, quality of competitiveness on the ice, and it varies from week to week. Sometimes you're going to get uh, a team that's going to be on the – uh, on the on one side or the other of an eighteen to nothing blowout, and then you know that very, one of those two teams the next week is going to play a three to two tight game against somebody else. It just yep. it varies. Yep. It's just crazy. Yep, and he's you know he was saying that you know with all that uncertainty, it's hard to tell what the pack eight competition level competition is going to be. Now that we have the two teams drop, it, we're still trying to figure out like which teams right are going to be competitive. Like again. I'm looking at Stanford. They don't even start playing until November. Yeah, see, that's just crazy. They have no games at all until November, at which point most of the other teams have played at least like half a dozen or maybe even 12, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so then you have to wonder, like, what's going on with Stanford, right? Um, we actually are kind of lucky in Utah because the Mountain West Hockey League, which is the, the league that the M2, Weber State, Utah State, and Utah Valley – and Montana State and Boise, I believe, belong to. Again, it's one of those things where I think they all belong to that particular conference. <laughs> but they're 
the thing that we, we are sure about is they're very strong hockey programs, and we get to play them a lot uh-huh. because they're all close. So, you know, it's easier for him to figure out what's going on with these non-conference teams because, you know, he knows the programs are strong, they're historically strong, and they're close, so we get to play them and see them a lot. And it's good for us, right? I mean, it's good for Utah, right? Because it's like you want to be in a strong conference to get better. So it's kind of interesting because he says, you know, I try not to worry too much about what's happening in Pac-8 because there's so much uncertainty. And I know what I've got with the Mountain West teams. So it actually makes that a little bit easier to plan for them. And, you know, just tries not to, you know, lose too much sleep about the uncertainty of what's going on in our Pac-8. I hear you. I hear you. Well, hey, let, let's talk about uh, M2 and their nationals in their format because uh, you're, you're kind of – you had – there are different ways to qualify, but you had three ways, and there's actually only two. But I think there's uh, wrong but, again. No, no, no. But I, it's it's confusing, right? Men's Division Two has four regions, and unlike Men's Division One, we play. Uh, we have twenty teams that come to nationals, and we play one and done. So you know, you win in advance, you lose, and you go home. Men's Division Two doesn't do that. They have sixteen teams that come to nationals, four from each of the four regions. And the top, the way it works is the top two ranked teams in each division get an automatic pass directly to nationals. So at the end of the season, ah, with the final okay. ranking, teams one through two get automatically, they know they're going to nationals. Teams three through, I believe it's three through 12, go to regionals. And they play a, uh, they, they're in separate brackets. And there are going to be two winners that come out of each region, and the that's win- the pool play, right? That's well, that's the, what we call pool play. No, no, or, no oh, the, that's even before pool play. That, that's one and done at regionals. That's oh, before okay. pool play, and then once you go to nationals, that's where you're. So the two winners that come out of regionals will join the number one and the number two seeds that have already made it out of the region, and Got those it. four teams will go to uh, nationals and they will play a pool play. There's four pools of four, of four. And you win your pool, and you move on to the semifinals, and you win the semifinal, you go to the championship game. So it's uh, they do it a little differently at men's division two, uh, but it gives some uh, some opportunities for some teams to uh, to make it. And I mean, let's let's talk. You know, Turkey, the uh, all the the men's two regionals, three of the four regionals are Friday, Saturday, Sunday affairs. But because there are teams in the West that are not allowed to play on Sunday, uh, men's division two regionals in the Western region are on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. That well, I, I I wonder what state that might be. Hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder. I think they have a they have a. You know, nationally ranked football team too, right? They don't play on Sunday. <laughs> they might, they might. I tell you, I mean, that was one of the big fears uh, a couple of years ago, was that uh, Brigham Young actually had a really good chance to. Uh, they had a very good hockey team, and they had a chance to win their uh, the 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 last game at regionals to move on to uh, the national event. And then the question the ACHA would have been presented with is what do we do? Our, our men's two, they play, you know, the third game is on Sunday, the third game and of the pool play. they might just forfeit. Well, you know, I mean, if you, you want to, you don't want to be a hard ass, but yeah. Right, 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 right. You know, I mean, it's one, one school of thought was, okay, they're just going to have to forfeit. I mean, they're making a choice. 
we're not changing our format for our, our, our nationals format for them. The other school of thought was, Hey, come on, you know, um, we can, they can, we can play a midnight game or something so that it's technically not on that day, or maybe they can get special dispensation from whoever. Well, that's what, uh, Liberty has to do, right? No, no, no. Liberty, Liberty doesn't have the no. Sunday restriction. Um, but there are some no, other who's schools. The one that who do. Plays, who's the one who plays the, the midnight games specifically because they have some, uh, I'm confused now. I don't know. No, Liberty plays midnight games, but I don't think they have a restriction. I just think they do it because it's cool to do. Ah, um, okay. I but, thought it was just because that way they could start at 12.01, which is technically the next day. <laughs> well, that, hey, that could be. That, that, that could be. I, I, I don't. But I could, I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, <laughs> the, the Western region, yeah, they're going to play. Uh, the, the regional will be there in uh, Salt Lake. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, You're going to yeah. get to see some good hockey there. So, yeah, two teams will automatically move on, uh, and then two teams will uh, emerge from regionals. Uh, and uh, that, that should be fun time, and we'll all meet. The, the, the crappy thing is um, the two teams that come out of regionals in the West, they've immediately got to turn around and figure out how in the world they're going to get to Boston, Massachusetts for nationals yep. in about two weeks. Yep. Especially so, if they're not sure they were going to make it, right? If they're not that's thinking just they're it. number one. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just it. One and two have the luxury of sitting there going, okay, we can make our travel plans. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's so, a tough one. Yeah, and then but the that's, other... That's, yeah. that's nationals. I mean, that for any sport. That's that's right. That's right. That's the Olympics, right? You know, that happens at the Olympics all could, the time. Could be. Hey, let's talk about the, uh, the Western Collegiate League. We've got some games coming up this weekend. Utah, we Arizona, do. and Central Oklahoma all have the week off, so they will be in study hall. Anita will make sure that the Utes are hitting the books hard. And, uh, oh, yeah, right. I will make sure. <laughs> I can just see that now. I'll be standing with my ruler going, all right, boys. That's right. Sister Suchia. <laughs> I like that. Just wrapping them on the knuckles with the yardstick of discipline. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Hey, Oregon, as you mentioned earlier, Oregon is going to be down in Boulder to take on uh, Colorado. 6-0 and Colorado, but you kind of alluded to the fact that you think that could be kind of a mirage, an illusion, 6-0. and yeah, but uh, it's still Oregon. Poor Oregon. It's going to be Colorado sweep. I really? still, That's even though, yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a really? split. If yeah. Oregon pulls one out. Yeah, I'm, or- I'm going to go ahead and go for a Colorado sweep. Okay, I wrote it down I see, as I'm a really sweep. Just root, I'm really just rooting for an eight and zero start to their season. That's really what I'm rooting for. Hey, I think it'd be great for the Buffs. <laughs> I think it would be uh, wonderful for the Buffs. I think the uh, Benny Toller's done a great job coaching them and bringing them back from. Uh, they were, you know, a top 10 team, and then they all of a sudden uh, became kind of irrelevant, and now he's bringing them back to some relevancy. He's bringing them back. Yeah. I and think so- I remember hearing some talk about how they kind of had to hit rock bottom, and like what happened, the bottom fell out. Yep. Yep. And so he's, so, the, so okay, so you're saying a Colorado sweep, that'll be awesome. Yep. Uh, the best so- part is, I won't be here for next week for you to rub this in my face. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to just save it. I'll just have to no, save will. it. You will have to save it. I realized that as I was listening to you and Ed Truck. You know, the best part is like, oh my God, what a homer I was. And I don't have to listen to you give me a hard time. <laughs> what a moron. Uh, who is that girl? Oh boy. Hey, what, who, <laughs> it was who's, perfect. Who's the moron? Me not being able to rag on you or you for being the homer? Uh. No, I was, 
it was gonna be me for being the homer it's like who's that moron homer god who invited her what a homer it's like guess what i don't have to listen to that uh-uh. <laughs> i love it hey san diego state's another newcomer to men's division one this year they're going to be up at uh, fort collins my favorite place in all the world to take on the rams of csu what do you uh, think? Still got to go. Colorado State sweep. Yeah, I think. CSU's... I think San Diego, State, San Diego State's not as strong as Oregon. Even there's so. no doubt. Yeah, they've they've had some issues down there. Um, non-conference games. UNLV. They're traveling to Alaska to take on NCAA Alaska Anchorage. They really just like getting their like you know what's handed to them, don't they? I think uh... the only question is, to me, the only question is, will the score be as bad as it was in Denver? <laughs> Well, and remember, that was the number one team in all of NCAA that smoked them 10 to nothing. Um, Alaska so Anchorage. So is Alaska Anchorage not, that, not as good? Because I always thought Alaska Anchorage had a pretty good hockey program. Well, they have a historically, um, they have a historic program. And it's one that the university tried to do away with recently. And oh. they have a groundswell of support that basically brought them back. Um, oh, but that makes it hard to recruit. Makes it hard to recruit, and it, make, it makes it hard for them to have some levels of uh, sustainable success. So I think UNLV is going to have a chance against Alaska Anchorage. I don't think it's going to be double digits, you know, just getting hammered with 90 shots to, you know, 10, <laughs> like like it was in Denver. So what do you think there? UNLV at Alaska Anchorage for two. Yeah, well, with that with that information in mind, I think then uh, I still have have a hard time seeing them being a Division One team, unless Alaska Anchorage is just like horrible. Yeah. Um, because they're still going to get kids from Canada, right? Who just don't want to come south. And they're, they're still going to get kids from Canada. And they're going to get and they've got a strong youth youth hockey program. Alaska has historically had a pretty good youth hockey base. Yep. I think. I think Alaska Anchor is still going to sweep, but uh, it sounds like it'll there'll be closer games and UNLV will score some goals. Yeah, I I, I tend Maybe. to agree with you. I think that's the way it's going to go. Is the the scores will be a lot closer, but UAA will still come out on top. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Hey, who knows? UNLV could surprise us. Either way, they're going to get some great experience going up there. Number one, going to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, yep. that's a place where, you know, who, who's to say probably 90% of the people that 90% of the 11 people that listen to this podcast have probably never, ever been to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, so, uh, that, that's a great experience for the kids. And then to play some NCAA teams, uh, on the road, uh, that's, that's do you know even what better. The, do you know what the rink is like up there? The UAA rink? It's yeah, it's nice uh, rink. it's a, it's a huge arena. It's called Sullivan arena. And uh, yeah, it seats. I think it seats like uh, five or six thousand. I mean, it's it's the real deal. So I wonder, uh, I wonder if hockey at UAA will experience a bit of a renaissance now that we have the Kraken in Seattle, because I know that they're really counting on the Alaska fan base in yeah? Seattle. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Alaska I, Airlines is putting together some special deals just for people coming from Alaska to fly down to Seattle. Really. Yeah, they're really counting on the Alaska fan base to support the Kraken. Well, here I'm looking online and it says the Sullivan Arena seats 6290, so 6290. And my guess is this, Anita, without, you know, uh, without sullying the, the, or tarnishing the image of all fine Alaskans that listen to the WCHL podcast. (laughs) 
I gotta imagine there's not a lot to do in Anchorage, America on an October evening in 2022. So I gotta imagine the Sullivan Arena will be pretty full when the uh, loud. when the Rebels show up and when UAA hockey hits the ice. So I gotta I gotta imagine it's gonna be a a full house and pretty raucous and for both nights. Yeah, that would just be my guess. That's that could get pretty loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in Alaska, then come on, Alaska. That's the last frontier, right? It is last frontier. A lot of a lot of liquor up there. A lot of guns. A lot of <laughs> moose. Grizzly bears. Grizzly bears. I mean, a lot of mountain men, mountain women. So yeah. You I, know, I, I I'm not as sure about Anchorage. I know Fairbanks fits that pretty well. Yeah, Fairbanks is is much more of a blue collar industrial, but I know nothing about Anchorage, so you you could they could possibly both be like that. I I got a feeling I got a feeling it's probably all the same. Just you know, <laughs> everyone's cold, everyone's miserable. Well, Every- you know what? I mean, when next week when I find out you can't make the podcast because some burly guy from Anchorage flew down just to pound the yeah. flew down to Oklahoma City just to pound the snot out of you. That's right. I know, I know that. Somebody actually was listening. He, he has. He hopped on his Alaska Airlines special flight all the way from <laughs> Anchorage right. down here to kick my tail. Yikes. Yeah, Anchorage to OKC nonstop just to pound on Chris for, right. making, for disparaging the poor people of Alaska. Beat up the fat guy. That, that should be a new, that should be, that's like a state fair event, right? Beat the fat guy. Well, it's got to be more entertaining than the dunk tank, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Anita. <laughs> Hey, okay, so you're going to say Alaska Anchorage sweeps uh, UNLV. Let's let's hope you're wrong, but it's probably more right. And because uh, I, I got there's still NCAA players, there's still big players, there's still quality talent. They've got a, they've got some good coaching up there, so I think they'll be okay. Uh, Oklahoma is going to travel up the road to Missouri State to take on the Ice Bears in Springfield, Missouri, at the Jordan Valley Ice Park. Now, Anita, before you I- issue your your prognostication here, remember all eleven listeners to the WCHL podcast are from Springfield, so tread lightly when you make your uh, your prognostication. Oh, and, and one one other thing, the Ice Bears will be debuting. This, this may factor into your uh, analysis as to who you're going to pick. The Ice Bears will be debuting at home their road black jerseys. Oh. So they're going to, they wore road black jerseys for the first time at Fort Collins and lost two games. They're going to wear their road blacks at home. And Oklahoma is going to wear their home whites. So, I mean, Missouri State traditionally plays great at home. But they're going to be wearing their road jerseys. Right. I think I remember you t- saying that. Yeah. So, I mean. But they're going to be wearing, you know, going to be, you know, dressed in black. Will that bad juju from the road exactly. be, will it, is that more than enough to overcome the good vibes from playing at home? I don't know. So, I, I just throw that information out there so that you can assess it and uh, include it when you make your, your, your grand judgment here as to who's going to win, Oklahoma or Missouri State. So I think, and it's a tough one because I kind of was looking at their records, right? Oklahoma's Missouri's records. Uh, boy, they're they're both. I mean, I'll say this: Missouri's not playing as well as I kind of expected them to, as you could tell if you remember two weeks ago with my predictions. I remember. Um, but I, I think I it's think, fair to say they're not playing as well as they expect them to, themselves yeah, to. Right, right. Um, and I think them playing at home 
you know, is going to help. But I, gosh, I just, I feel like it's going to be a split with Oklahoma because I think Oklahoma's playing a little bit better than we expected. All right. All right. So a split. So I'm going to go for a split. The road black juju might come back to get Missouri State. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see. If yeah. that works or not. All right. Hey, the last series of the weekend is going to be Grand Canyon. They're going to travel across town to take on Arizona State at Oceanside or Ice Arena. So ASU is going to be hosting uh, GCU for two on Friday, Saturday. Antelopes versus Sun Devils. What do you think? Mm. They're both playing well. They're both playing well. And, uh, I mean, boy. That's another tough one. I'm going to go for a split. I'm going to I'm going to chicken out and go for a split. Really? Because oh, I wow. just can't decide who's going to. Well, because I just think Grand Canyon's awfully feisty early the season this year. Yeah, Danny Roy's got them playing well. I think Austin Klein has the Sun Devils playing very well too. So I I think ASU. Now, people, longtime listeners of the podcast, there's one in particular out in Ohio. He's a, a <laughs> wizard, all hat no cape. The wizard. Oh, he he a wizard. Yeah. Yes, he he tends to believe that i am an asu homer uh but oh, that's I, right i remember you've been accused of of like not just being a homer but like you're a big rah-rah for the head coach right the, is that uh, who's the head coach at arizona state now uh, austin klein is his name yeah austin klein yeah, yeah. he's uh because tate tate is gone right that's correct tate tate yeah, green okay. has mo- moved on to other things tate's tate was awesome as well i love dealing with story tate the storyteller he's uh he would go on these wonderful, wonderful uh, cross-country uh, jaunts, and he would have some great stories. And he, he actually is a is a listed member of a particular tribe in South Dakota, where he's his title is storyteller. Um, oh, yeah, he's Tate's, okay. a, Tate's a great guy. He's a unique kind of a fella, and I I, I miss him. But uh, he's not there. Austin is at ASU, but yeah, the wizard in Ohio. He seen he thinks I'm a homer. Um, he thinks I love that I go to sleep in ASU uh, sheets and I wake up, I, I hug a pitchfork while I'm sleeping and, you know, that I'm just dreaming of marine and gold, a maroon and gold all the time. So, uh, all right. So you well, say. Maybe he just thinks you're a pagan. <laughs> that, could, that could be too. I, I'm sure he thinks a lot of things about me. So. Maybe he just spends too much time thinking about you. Well, that's kind of scary. Be concerned about that. Yeah, I need to have him on the podcast. He's a, he's a great guy too. The wizard. Oh, geez. All right, so here you go. You say Colorado is going to sweep Oregon. Colorado State's going to sweep San Diego State. University of Alaska Anchorage is going to sweep UNLV. And you say Oklahoma and Missouri State will split. And you're taking the easy way out. You're saying Grand Canyon and ASU will split. All right, well, very good. Anything else there, Anita, that we need to uh, discuss or that we haven't discussed already on the podcast? Any great books, any great movies, anything uh, wonderful you've seen lately on the TV or music-wise or something? Oh, movies, uh, you know what I saw? It wasn't like super recently, but it's the last movie I saw was, have you seen the 13 Lives movie, the Ron Howard movie about the kids trapped in the cave in Thailand? No. They got rescued? No. It, it, it's a... Uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. So if you've got Amazon Prime, it's free for you. Yep. It was very well done. And what I really liked is uh, the first part of the movie. So Ron Howard was very careful not to have show that the Europeans coming in and rescuing, right, the colonials. Yeah. Although it's interesting, Thailand's never been colonized, right? So the movie starts out with 
everyone speaking in Thai and us being reading subtitles, which mm-hmm. is really unusual for an American directed, produced film, right? Yeah. So we're watching all this, you know, so we're kind of watching how this happens, how the boys, they're on a soccer team, they, they're going to have a party later, but they say, hey, let's go explore the cave. And so the assistant coach takes them and unbeknownst to them, back in the mountains, right, there's like this huge uh, rainstorm has been dumping water in a flash flood comes in and fills up the front part of the cave while they're in the back part, right? And they are like miles in. And so, you know, once once they figure out what the problem is, right, now, you know, the word comes and these two British guys come in. Um, basically, the one guy calls his friend and says, hey, let's go, let's go see if we can help, right? So they just show up as volunteers. But you know, they, you know, they kind of offer their help, but then, you know, the Thai government actually has a, an elite, uh, like a Navy SEALs type scuba team of their own, a national, you know, like part of their, their military. And uh, they said, well, you know, we've got our own team, but thanks. And we're going to go in. But the, the thing is, is that these two guys from England are considered a couple of the top cave explorers in the world and diving in a cave is completely different from diving in the open ocean which is what the navy seals are used to right yeah can't see you're dealing with like really unpredictable conditions and you get hung up on stuff right you're always bumping into things so eventually the uh the british guys they the and then and then the poor governor of that region of thailand right he's already been told he's getting moved somewhere else (laughs) <laughs> so they kind of use him as the fall guy to be the government representative in case everything goes horribly wrong, right? In case there's tragedy, this is our guy. So they put him up on camera and say, all right, you get to talk to everyone and deal with all this stuff. And, you know, he kind of knows what's going on. And and amazingly enough, and, and this is something I didn't know, because I, I remember reading the news uh, alerts when this was happening, because it was like days. It took them, first of all, it took them days to find the kids. Eventually, they do enlist the, the English divers' help, the Brit. British guys help because they realize they're cave divers, right? It takes them days to find the kids, and miraculously, they are the kids are all alive, including the assistant coach. And it turns out the assistant coach uh, trained as a Buddhist monk. So what he did is he taught all the boys how to meditate so they wouldn't panic, and he taught them how to control their breathing. But they've survived all this time without any food, and now the Brits show up and they go, "Okay, we're here." They, they're amazed to find these kids; they're all alive. Now we got to figure out how to get you out. And it's like, I can't remember. It's like, I guess it's 13, like 12 kids and the coach is the 13 lives, right? Huh. They got to figure out how to get them because it took them hours to navigate the underground flooded tunnel to get to these kids. And it's like zero visibility. So what they're doing is they're literally going hand over fist with a lifeline that's been bolted into the floor so they don't get lost and swept away. And they got to figure out how they take these 13 pe- kids, well, 13 people who have no diving experience at all, through this tunnel because the biggest problem happens is people get claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like, so how do we get these kids out safely? And here's what they do. They shoot them up with ketamine. <laughs> and you have a cat, right? So you know what ketamine is. It's uh-huh. not really – it's it's a kind of tranquilizer, but it's not so much that it puts them to sleep. It basically just Calms makes you their down. yeah, and it also makes their uh them their muscles completely 
uh, relaxed so that they have like no motor control anymore. So they're unconscious, but also they're not likely to accidentally kick or start like moving around or anything. They're literally just like, like duffel bags. Yeah. They're not going to panic. They're not going to be, they're not going to panic. Yeah. They're not going to, but the thing is the ketamine will only last for a certain amount of time. So they got to stop periodically and re-inject the, the kids to keep them under. (laughs) Right. And, and here's the, the miraculous part. This is a true story. Everybody makes it out alive. Well, that, they that, don't lose a single person. It's it's like impossible. And of course, they don't tell anybody they're doing this during the live broadcasts, watching the movie. Because I was thinking, how are they possibly going to get these kids out? Yeah. Right. And when they do, I thought this got to be a lie, right? But nope, they all made it out. Now they lost two Navy SEALs, two Thai SEAL uh, divers lost their lives. One guy ran out of air. Something happened. Something went wrong was in the cave and he couldn't make it out before he ran out of air. The other guy died of complications after the event. So something happened to him where he ended up, right, getting so injured or sick or something from the dive itself that he ended up, you know, having health problems afterward and died afterwards. But all 13 of the soccer boys and the assistant coach, they got him out alive. Wow. It's astonishing. And the, one of the divers ends up being a technical advisor. But what I, like I said, what I really respect about this was they also had a side story of uh, this one kid. I think he's from Chicago. He's Thai, but he's been living in Chicago, right? Maybe he grew up there, but he speaks Thai. He shows up. Like people showed up from all over the world to volunteer to help. So he shows up. He's trying to then talk the villagers into helping create these like diversion, like these uh dikes to divert the waterway because the water is coming in from above and percolating through all these holes at the top of the mountain that's why the mountain keeps on filling up and no matter how fast they pump the pumps can't keep up so he's up there on the top of the mountain talking to these villagers trying to convince them to help him build these diversion dikes right and then he goes to the head the head of the village and says here's what we have to do the water's got to go somewhere and here's the logical place is all these beautiful flat rice paddies Oh, geez. But if we do that, if we do that, they're going to lose their entire crop. Yikes. So he's got to then, right, and, and, and the villagers eventually agree to do this. And this is, this is what then lowers the water enough, right? So again, that it helps contribute to the success. But again, it's like a story of the Thai people. And, you know, Ron is very good about, Howard is very good about kind of, not focusing on the Europeans coming in to save the day, right? Which, which I really, which I really appreciated. Yeah. So but, very, but very nice. Thirteen again. Thirteen lives. 13 it's lives. on Amazon just, Prime. Amazon Prime, and just like I said, the miracle is they got them all out. Yeah, I remember when that happened in uh, in you know real time, and it was you know kind of a daily update there on CNN. Right. Right, because uh, it went on for days. Oh, it went on for days. Is right. Jeez, yeah. what a deal! All and right. they were they were also like looking at the weather and realized that they had this limited window because the next storm was going to come in. Right. What a weird deal! So, what a weird yeah, deal! Right. How would you like to make a movie about that? Crazy. It was wild. crazy, but very well done. That's right. my that's my thumbs up. All right. Well, very good. <laughs> very good. Well, let's do this. Uh, let Let's get out of here and let's uh, hope to see yeah. everybody at the rink this week. Um, when you're not at the rink, you can dial up Amazon Prime and watch 13 Lives. 
And uh, check us out on the internet and Twitter at uh, the WCHL pod is there at WCHL pod on the Twitter account. Western CHL is uh, online at westernchl.com. We're also on Twitter at Western CHL. That's where we'll have live scores or not live scores, but final scores, uh, game previews, you know, uh, you know, who's playing and where you can watch it, that kind of stuff. It's all on the Twitter and um, Anita is on Twitter at, help me, I'm going to say this again wrong, it's Sabaku Inc., S-A-B-A-K-U-I-N-K, is that correct? Yep, that's it. And I'm or you on, could probably search my name. There you go, Anita Suchia, and it's T-S-U-C-H-I-Y-A. Um, I'm on Twitter at CJP in OKLA. Anita will have all sorts of cool stuff on her Twitter feed. I will just have a bunch of juvenile junk. You know, I'll just re I'll, I'll just replay. You know, dolphins spitting water at people or something like that. I, you know, just or Ted Lasso toy soldiers. Ted Lasso, I actually like that series. Yep, I could. Uh, I love that series. It's uh, I, I'll I'll yeah, my my stuff will be like third grade level, and Nita's stuff will be <laughs> a little higher brow than than most. Oh, I don't know. Don't oversell me. I I'm not a very good Twitterer. <laughs> I'm All right, boring Twitter. Anita, we appreciate you being on. We appreciate the prognostications. Enjoy next week off because then I can't rag on you personally for uh, for your prognostications, how whether they're good or, or bad. Yeah, but uh, keep those boys in Utah in line and uh, keep the you know. I look forward to hearing more about the the women's one and uh, what's going on with the the men's too. Yeah, very yeah. good. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thanks for listening to the WCHL podcast. If you get a chance, uh, give us uh, five stars, thumbs up, whatever the nice rating is that you can do. Give it to us. And in the meantime, I'm going to hit the button here, and we're going to get out of here. So everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you at the rink. Take care.